Welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series, episode 50, with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today I interviewed Marie Ancroce, VP of Psychometrics at Scantron Corporation, about how assessments and analytics span well beyond the classroom. You can find more of our fiercely independent content at talentedlearning.com. Wow, 50 episodes. How could that happen? Welcome back, listeners, to our podcast. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts 50 times in extended enterprise from both the vendor and the practitioner perspective. We've learned a lot in our journey, and today's not going to be any different. From the practitioner side of the expert equation, we have Maria Ancroce. And Maria is going to fill us in on assessments for corporations and the current state of that and uses and benefits and challenges and solutions. Uh, most importantly, how to analyze the data all through the lens of what's happened in the last couple of years with COVID and uh, how that's changed corporate assessments or serious assessments uh, in general and, and really how advancements in uh, analytics uh, help us get better data to make better actionable uh, actions. Uh, so uh, we're going to learn uh, with more and more organizations uh, distributing content and distributing certifications. Assessments is a big topic and proctoring is a big topic and data analytics is a big topic to really make sure that you have uh, the best and most valid content to make a difference in your organization. But it's kind of complex and to do it right uh, takes the right skill set and the right tools and the right know-how. And luckily, uh, Maria has that knowledge and she's going to tell us all about it. Maria, welcome to the Talented Learning Show podcast series. It's great to have you here. Thank you, John. My pleasure to be here. And so uh, I can say that uh, you're our first psychometrician that we've had on the podcast, but not the first one at Talented Learning because, well, it was still you uh, when you joined us for a panel discussion about two years ago uh, that was uh, titled uh, Using Analytics to, to Drive Growth, where we talked about a lot of these things before the pandemic. So I've been wanting to have you on the show uh, here as we have a different following generally on the podcast and talk about that and what's happened in the last couple of years. So it's uh, we're really excited to have you here today, um, but maybe we could start at the top and uh, you can fill us in. Uh, that's a dad joke about uh, Scantron as a company, and I think it's hard to find uh, any person uh, that doesn't have a remembrance of that of some aspect in their educational life or taking that good or bad. For me, I always loved it because at least it was objective, and uh, at least so I thought. Uh, but the company is much bigger than that, of course, and you've evolved to much more than that. So why don't you catch everybody up and tell us uh, about what your organization's up to nowadays and, and uh, tell us some. Sure. Please. Well, as you mentioned, Scantron, uh, I think uh, out of the gate, folks associate that with, as you said, the number two pencils and, and the little bubble sheets and, and taking tests uh, all throughout our, our academic uh, experiences. But the organization is is much bigger and much broader. We are we are part of uh, technology solutions. Um, we also have obviously like scanners and printers, and, and you know we service many governmental entities with these uh, these essential uh, pieces of hardware so that they can conduct their business. We're also a, a big assessment solution uh, organization. So now not only do we have K through twelve. Uh, and higher education uh, assessment uh, solutions, but we also are very well versed in uh, high stakes credentialing, so licensing and certification. So many of our clients are using assessment platforms, using our psychometric services, uh, using our test development services to create assessments 
um, in order to license and certify uh, their, their candidates for those, those uh, credentials. In addition, we have a large leg of survey services. So that's part of, of the organization that I oversee as well, along with psychometrics. And we service uh, many uh, higher education, as I mentioned earlier, uh, entities, universities, colleges with anything from course surveys uh, to self-efficacy surveys. Um, also have a lot of large corporate clients who obviously surveys are, are really an integral part of, of how we do business getting feedback. Uh, so again, that is uh, another leg of Scantron. So really a very multifaceted organization. Wow. Wow. I had no idea on some of those uh, those other parts. But there's probably other people on uh, listening right now that's saying, what is a psychometrician? And maybe we, <laughs> I said start at the top before. Let's start at the top one more time and and, and tell us what that means and you know what the you know the responsibilities and the, you know the goal of a career like that is uh, I know that's a big question for a short podcast but uh. sure sure well don't make me spell it but uh, <laughs> you know psychometrics is is really a, a science of measurement and so psychometricians are involved in in all sorts of areas of measurement whether it be in academic settings or in, as I mentioned, in, in higher stakes, uh, licensing certification or credentialing settings, um, also in psychological measurement, including um, businesses who will use psychometricians to help sculpt uh, organizational uh, hierarchies and surveys and, and feedback from employees. So psychometricians are just really involved in, in anything that we can possibly measure in terms of uh, providing uh, expertise and guidance into uh, validity evidence uh, for that, those measurements and, and using that information to create a story for whoever the end user um, or stakeholders are. So we, we like to play with numbers a lot. And um, some, might say that some might say glorified statisticians, um, but I think our training lends itself to a little bit more um, philosophical and theoretical theory. Um, wow. So. wow, interesting, interesting. So uh, continue to dig down uh, past the K-12 uh, in, in higher education categories to the, the, the second of the two categories in a, assessment solutions. What's a high stake assessment? Could you give some examples of what that means? Sure, uh, high stake success, uh, assessments usually involve some sort of decision making in terms of credentialing. So, for example, uh, individuals who are looking to practice medicine in the United States have to be licensed to do that. Um, you know, and it just it isn't limited to healthcare, but that's probably what we think of first in terms of nurses and doctors and dentists, and and so all all of uh, those folks go through our credentialing. But beyond that, what is a, a very large sector of credentialing now is in certification. And so individuals who are moving into a certain area of practice in, in whatever discipline uh, that they are, they are um, working in, usually so at some point in their careers will come up against an opportunity to become certified. And that is just another area where individuals can set themselves apart from others in terms of their knowledge and their skills and abilities in particular areas 
in, in the world of technology, certification is huge right now, uh, very evolving, very fast paced. And in order to set yourself apart from, from other candidates in a very large pool of potential um, employees, a certification is a, is a great credential or a great pathway to demonstrate your, your knowledge in, in areas like that. So we consider those high stakes exams because they do result in some sort of, whether it's an electronic badge or an actual cert certificate or a certification. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Certifications uh, of, the, of the type that you're talking to, uh, uh, past high stakes uh, credentialing or not past it, but the, that, that second part with the rise of certification. Does the term certification have a specific definition in your eyes because um, we hear it from my standpoint i could hear certification meaning anything from passing a test or taking a course to you know something much more serious than that and i figured well i got the expert on uh, could you define draw a box around what certification is in your eyes well you know there's there's ways to look at it um you know someone could be granted a certificate and so you may go through a, a, a small training program and you complete the program and you're awarded a certificate that says, you know, John Lake completed this program is, and, you know, on, on this certain date. Right. Certification uh, is, is a much broader uh, descriptor in that it, it usually conveys some sort of ongoing expertise. So when we, become, uh, when we go through, when, an individual um, accomplishes that, there's usually some sort of maintenance of certification or some sort of um, credentialing that will evolve over time. So a certificate could be a one-time, a one-time issued thing and that's the end of it and you may you may never you may never practice or use that again in your lifetime. But certification is really sort of a, a commitment to that that credential and and that leg of employment. Wow, great difference, great difference. And so if I'm creating certifications, uh, who's creating them? Is it corporations that are doing it as a side business, corporations doing it as their business, associations, all of the above? It's kind of all of the above. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, many nonprofit organizations will have certification programs. And again, in order to promote that that area of, of expertise uh, in in the employment sector I mean let's look at a couple examples for uh, you may you may belong to a gym and hopefully your personal trainer has gone through a certification process and and so that they are achieve a credential that is recognized in the industry and and, and it is partly part uh, part of it is um, just protection of the public so along with licensing but as long as we're talking about certification at this point it provides the public with some assurance that the individuals who are providing services to them have gone through some sort of rigorous um, at least assessment process in most cases along with training uh, to demonstrate that they are skilled in, in these areas so many nonprofits do that many corporations do that uh, in order to advance their their staff uh, they'll create programs like that, that their staff can achieve certification in certain areas and get credentials in certain areas in order to advance. So it's, uh, it's as you mentioned, it's kind of every everybody and ever, anyone in between. Mm -hmm. What are the top challenges uh, you think these organizations face? Are, are, are they unprepared? 
for the rigorousness, if that's a word, of, uh, of, of creating uh, sound assessments or is it resources? Uh, what, what, are, what are the challenges they face? I think the top challenges uh, start with uh, providing expertise. So in, in order to create an assessment program or certification program that, that um, will require some sort of assessment, whether, whether it's a, as we talked about, a, a paper-based exam or a computer-based exam, many assessments are done with observations now. Um, we, we're using all types of technology to uh, create simulations, and those simulations can be scored in, in uh, in terms of the the candidate's ability to respond and and re and react in certain scenarios, um, but I think resources has become a huge challenge in terms of not only expertise um, but uh, assembling groups of experts in order to provide that validation for any type of assessment. So, and then I think that's where the psychometrician comes in. We're, we're really not, the, you know, um, the coach of the team. We're kind of like uh, the water boy or a water girl. So, you know, <laughs> here we are making sure you have what you need because the experts will, will, will drive content. The psychometrician is there to, to help sculpt that and to ensure that processes are being followed uh, that ensure uh, defensibility and, and valid processes. So in the event that anybody ever challenged your assessment, program or your examination or test, that all those underlying fundamental things are in place uh, so that the, uh, again, that things are defensible in terms of, of the rigor and the way that they were assembled. But I think, um, you know, in, in addition to expertise, uh, you know, the other resources I uh, that uh, come into mind are really technology-based. Uh, and it's very difficult for an organization to advance their assessment programs to the level of which we've become accustomed to uh, in our daily lives. I mean, we, we just rely on instantaneous uh, information. We rely on a lot of technology and it's taken quite a bit of time for organizations to sort of evolve their assessment programs to meet what we experience daily in our lives. Mm -hmm. What would be some of those gaps between uh, daily and, and where organizations are pre-evolution? Like, could you well, give us a for instance? A for instance is is just um, assessing individuals' uh, skill uh, with a with a what I would call more of a unidimensional type exam, something that is that is. Uh, text-based, uh, you know, similarly to what, you know, the old exams that we used to take, where it's just sort of, there's a, there's a stimulus and there's answers to respond to or answers to choose from to respond with. Um, and in some cases, we can, we can really get some great information by using those types of, of uh, item formats and those assessment formats. In other cases, it's important that we measure skill. It's important that we can measure someone's um, ability to do a job by observing them. It's important that we put them in a situation that they would experience on the job. Uh, and it's sometimes that's, that's a little bit difficult to do or more challenging to do in one of those unidimensional types of assessments, so. Oh, interesting, interesting. You mentioned earlier uh, about simulations. And I was just wondering, could you define that a little bit further? And does that go as far as augmented reality and virtual reality also, or not yet? 
You know, I think we're getting there. And in some cases, particularly in the technology leg, that they've been really successful in bringing in using artificial intelligence, machine learning to sort of augment what they're doing and how they're trying to measure certain knowledge and skills in areas. Simulations have become really big in a lot of areas, particularly, and I'll just say healthcare, just to mention one, in terms of surgical procedures, in terms of diagnostics, we're able to put individuals in a very real life type environment in order to assess their responses, their interactions with others on a healthcare team, in order to measure their ability to assess a certain situation and then take action on it. So it becomes this really multidimensional way of assessing one's competency in a very real environment with the nice exception here is that you can't hurt anybody. So it is also a learning opportunity as well. Sure. So the applications of that are endless from healthcare to probably military to operating cranes to, you know, anything. You know, aviation has been doing this for a lot of years. They've been using simulations for decades. And it's interesting that, you know, and it has become, it's becoming more and more prevalent in other areas, but we can learn a lot from what some of our sectors have been doing for many, many years. So if you have all these new multidimensional assessments and simulations and things that you're scoring, it sounds like in comparison to the olden days, just the volume of data has to be, has to be enormous. Can you comment on that on, I guess, the volume and I guess the tools and, you know, how you approach, you know, doing something with all this data, all these decision points that somebody can make in the process of being measured, doing something or showing that they can do something. Yeah, that, that is, that has definitely been a challenge for, for many in order to, you know, what do we do with all this data that we have? And even outside of credentialing, even in our education, it's really important that we are able to tease through the data that is meaningful because there is, there is a lot of, a lot of stuff comes along with, with data feeds and it really becomes a matter of determining, you know, what is important to the stakeholder, to the end user for some, and I'll just give a really simple example. I mean, for some demographics doesn't matter. You know, they're looking at big data, they're looking at, at, at trends, they're looking at, at um, you know, stories that can be told from, from lots of information and it doesn't matter so much who it's from because, mm. it, you know, it's all feeding down one lane. On the other hand, things like who answered our survey or who responded to our, our, um, our, our, um, our inquiries regarding maybe some business models uh, is really important. And, and so we're able to, you know, use this information and just, and I think I'd like to work these problems backward. And that is determine with, with the stakeholder, what is it that you're trying to glean from the information? How is this going to help your business or your decision-making or your, the future, the direction of, of your programs? 
And then we're able to kind of work that backwards and determine from an analytics standpoint, what would be most meaningful to, to assist the stakeholder in that regard. But you're, you know, you're spot on, John, in terms of, boy, there's just so much out there and you really have to have to figure out the best way to, to tease through it, to, to put that story together. Mm -hmm. A lot of what you're talking about is exactly that, the story. What about the technology behind it? What are organizations doing? What, what are the tools to, to analyze this, to visualize this? Or is that a challenge in, in 2021 or no? You know, I, I don't think it's a challenge anymore because there's so many um, providers now for big data. Um, and I'm not going to name any because we're not here to do that. But uh, analytics now is is just key to the success of of any organization, and as well as as you know, let's let's look at a school district. Let's look at a state level. You know, um, you know, it's really important for them to be able to take data in real time and be able to drill down into what actually they're looking for. If I'm the superintendent of a school district, I want to know, you know, for whatever reason, I want to know how my sixth graders did on the standardized science exam uh, in the month of May in the year of 2021. It, you know, that's the type of real time dashboards and analytics that are favorable to users now. And so um, I think what's happening is we see a little bit of a disparity in terms of who that's available to. And, and, you know, the folks who are who have the, uh, uh, you know, the training and ability to use it and use it in a functional way. But I think down the road, I, I think that those types of analytical tools are going to be as prevalent as folks who have smartphones. You wow. Know? So just getting easier and easier and more democratized. Because right now it's kind of like those licenses seem to be coveted since they're so expensive. You know, there's data analytics tools seems to be another challenge I run into or hear people complain about, but that sounds like that's going to go away in the future. You know, we can only hope so, right? <laughs> more and more players in the game, the price drive drives the price down. And uh, before you know it, we'll all have, we'll all have tools like that mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. our household budgets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. I'll be too scared to see the results. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Um, what about uh, the data from a, so do people in your profession or people that are experts with the data develop subspecialties in training and development or in, in I don't know, different applications of it? Uh, the reason for my question is like one of, the, one of the complaints I hear from organizations, training and development organizations is when they can get the resources from centralized IT who has the, the data analytics tools and resources, and they can get something scheduled, they typically get somebody that doesn't understand the space. And so it's, um, they feel like it's an uphill battle, you know, from that point, because you gotta try to teach them the learning and development. Uh, maybe I'm making too much of that, but since people have asked me that in the past, I thought I'd ask you to see if uh, that matters to you, you know, when you're selecting tools, does, you know, that slice of vertical matter or you don't think so? You know, I, I think, it, again, um, it, it comes down to what are you trying to get out of it? You know, what do you want from the data? And, and I think that really drives uh, where where we go and, and actually who, who's probably the most capable of, of getting uh, an organization to that finish line. Um, data is great, but it, it, is, it is messy. 
and if you know you really need to be able to tease through it and and get out of it what what you need to and you know in terms of tools i think there's there's all kinds of tools out there that can that can assist folks uh, in terms of training um you know it, it depends what you're measuring actually you know i mean we we treat survey data a little bit differently than than we would treat assessment data then we might treat uh organizational level or or person level data where we're looking at opinions and like you said earlier said self-efficacy and you know trying to drill down uh one's impressions of maybe of their work environment and things like that but i think that's where individuals and and who are trained uh to be able to understand what the the data means can assist whether it's a psychometrician some uh, many statisticians work in that regard um you know, just able to to guide their clients, their stakeholders in a direction that that will provide them with with the best information available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. This has been a quick call already. And so we're going to uh, roll into our, our last question and try to figure out about the best way to phrase it. So you mentioned the, the rise in high stakes assessments in general, the, the catching on to certifications and certificates and the difference between the two and you know virtually any industry especially any industry where you can get high hurt uh, you also mentioned uh, maybe i mentioned it but the democratization of the tools you know as those tools get uh, easier as you talked about it more people have access to them and they become ubiquitous as cell phone it's all going in that direction so my 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 question is for those organizations that are slow movers at this point they're behind the they're they're behind the the eight ball in terms of this change and haven't been doing anything like you said. What are the best first steps they can do to start getting back in the game uh, with their assessments, making sure of the validity and taking it to the next level that's uh, that they're going to need in a few years uh, for all those reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, I th I think uh, first of all, kind of a, a self reflection for the organization, and that is, what do our resources look like? Um, are we in a position to have that expertise in-house or are we in a better position to um, look outside and get assistance and partner with an organization like Scantron or others um, that can help us uh, create uh, the environment that we need in order to be successful. And so once once that occurs and you know obviously money money is a big deal here money is the bottom line uh, when businesses make these types of decisions whether they want to bring that bring on those resources in-house or or look to contract it outside but i think that um creating a partnership or or at least uh you know locking arms with with potential vendors or organizations that can get you moving in the direction of, of better technology and get your foot through the door, basically, uh, in terms of upgrading uh, your processes and improving your assessments so that from a decision-making perspective, you're really confident in the decisions that are made to credential someone in the case of, of certification ex examinations. Um, I, I think it, it's, in the long run, it, an great interest for the organization so that they're again evolving and they're not left behind just because technology is is you know not waiting at their doorstep it's out there just take a look knock on our door and we'll help you out help you out help size up the problem and 
flesh out the solution. Well, there you have it. Uh, sage advice, Maria Croce, VP of uh, Psychometrics at Scantron. Uh, great conversation today, learning uh, a lot about uh, where assessments and certification are going, what the next level of that actually means, um, and, and really some, some key insights on thinking about analytics. And really, I liked how you just kept on coming around to going back to the stakeholders and figuring out what's really important to, to move the needle of the business and then figuring out what you're going to measure and show to, to, to show the progress towards that is, is uh, all interesting and, and wise insight. So thanks uh, very much, Maria, for joining us today on the Towns Learning Show. It was great to have you. Thank you for having me, John. Audience, thanks for tuning in to another episode, our 50th as it was. Uh, it's great to have you, and we'll hope to see you on the next. And you can find more of our independent resources at TowToLearning.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.